0: Our Heavenly Father, we talk about parenting today and we can talk about it because you have revealed yourself as our Heavenly Parent, a Father of compassion, one whose hand we can hold and go through whatever we have to face because we know we never go through it alone. Our prayer, Lord, is that you're going to now so fill our hearts with your passion for children that we can become your vehicles to reach that next generation still to discover you and your love. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Recently, I officiated at the memorial service of my wife's father. In preparation for that service, we reflected back over his life and highlighted the legacy that he left us. And right on top, the whole family was agreed that Ted's role as a father and a grandfather were the most important gifts that we received from him. He invested in his family. He made his children, his grandchildren, a constant priority. I live, have lived with Meta for 32 years and very close to her parents. And I can say consistently, without ever an exception, Ted would be there for the kids and drop anything if they needed him. Our children idolized him. And it really touched my heart when they stood at the memorial service to uh, give their memories of him and to thank God for his very important role in their lives. That experience raised the question relevant to our text today, a question I think all of us at any age should ask. What legacy are we leaving our children, or what legacy are we going to leave our children if we're in that age group? Scripture tells us something extremely important. Of all the things we want for our children, the most important we, gift we can give them is to influence them in the things of God. And as I highlighted earlier, Jesus made it so clear what's important to God when he pulled children on his lap and he said, of such is the kingdom of God. Now, it's obvious not all of us are parents in the congregation. But every member here this morning is a godparent because you said you are going to take responsibility to help us as a church family raise these dozens and dozens, hundreds of babies that we baptize here and provide an environment in a very secular world where those children, by God's grace, can find Jesus Christ. We're going to assist their parents in that challenging job of raising them. Most of us have contact with children somewhere, even if we're not parents. You have an influence, and if not, probably God's going to bring you one, because that's our job. My wife and I made a commitment very early in the lives of our children that introducing them to Jesus Christ would be the highest priority in their future. Family worship from their earliest years became just a thing we did. And I was interested in the birthday annual that they gave me last month, that one of their fondest memories was the times we spent telling Bible stories and having prayer, even uh, when we were on vacation. We just did that. I can't think of anything we did as parents that gave a richer legacy since by God's grace today our children know Jesus. Now I don't want to say just because you have family worship and you take them to church school, your children are automatically going to become Christians. No guarantee. It's an act of God's grace. But I'm grateful ours have, particularly because they're uh, preacher's kids and those are notorious for being kind of squirrely and wild. In uh, all apologies to you who are preacher kids. Uh, I, I can tell you a little aside story that was good though, that I hadn't thought about. Uh, Jay Mitchell, I've known him since college. And he was dating Cheryl, and their family went on vacation with us one year. And we had a habit on vacation even to do our worship. And on that, we were down at Balboa Island, and one of the things we did was we would put one of the children in the center, and then all of us would affirm that child. It's interesting how hard it is to just affirm people. We're good at criticizing, but it's kind of hard just to sit around and think of all the good things. And Jay said he was so impressed by that 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 convinced him to marry Cheryl, now, I, you know, I don't know if that was the total reason, but that was important, that he wanted to be part of a family where that was central. I can't tell you of a better legacy you can give your children than to make Jesus the focal point of what you do. Now, I'm not here this morning to focus attention on the Gerbers. I'm here to focus attention on God's mandate to all of us to pass on our faith to the next generation, both in word and in behavior. And I would offer you this, one of the most important roles this church plays in our community and probably in all of the peninsula is the ministry to children. A huge part of the money you give goes to the some 1,500 children that we have here, zero to, uh, through high school. I think that's incredible. When those children stood here at the high school, look what they brought to us. I hope they warmed your heart. That's the next generation. Those are the ones we're called to love. And I want to look at this text and stimulate our love for them because Jesus has a very deep passion for them. First, the Bible says, we have a responsibility to be storytellers about God to the next generation. It says, fix these words of mine in your hearts. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. I find it interesting If you think about it, Christianity is always one generation away from extinction unless we tell our children about the faith we profess. And telling stories about God isn't that complex or difficult. Our text suggests we simply weave God into whatever we might be doing with our children. If you're out hiking, you can weave God in terms of God being the author of all this handiwork we see. If you're you're sick or if your children are sick, you can talk to them about his healing power. And then you can show love and mercy, compassion when we exert our authority and our discipline. That's so critical. Parental authority molds the first step for children to understand and accept the authority of God and of society later in their life. Tragically today, authority and authoritarianism have been hopelessly confused, and we parents are frightened to death of being authoritarian, but we have a biblical mandate to exert authority over our children. You see, our model gives our children the moral compass, the ability to internalize God's laws for their future behavior, without which they're helpless. It's our responsibility to help children understand God's laws are not restrictions, they're protectors. They're a road map that leads not to a loss of life, but to life's fullest freedom. I I read with almost heartbreak about those bank robbers in Southern California yesterday. They held up a bank close to where I used to live. And I thought, what went wrong that those two men somehow were raised in families that left them that broken that they just want to come and shoot people? How bent, how skewed can you get? And it just made me want to put my arms around all the children of the world who are that broken that they end up to do those things. You see, society is witnessing the chaos that's being created when we decided that God wasn't going to be part of our society, part of our school system, and we were just going to let kids go and choose their own value system and their own relationship with God. And what we have are people living without a moral compass. And it's creating chaos so now we want the schools to teach values we christians say you can't teach values without jesus because we don't have the power to follow values unless we have his spirit in our hearts that's our bias but we believe that so i want to ask you a question is the spiritual training of your children of your grandchildren of those children that you care about somewhere in your life is the training of those children a priority for you And if not, God says, it should be. Here's something that might get to us, because I think it's honest. Many of us are far more concerned about a child's academic, social, athletic, or emotional development than we are about their spiritual growth. If you did an evaluation of time spent, I I wonder how much push you've given your kids regarding their academics their SATs, the great school they're going to go to, and the money you will invest in that school versus what we've done about their spiritual development and urging them to develop their faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder if we get as excited when they miss a church school hour as we do when they miss a day at school. You see, even we Christians are a little out of balance between what we profess and what we really follow here in our culture. And our kids read us like a book. Recently, I was talking to a father who stated he's allowing his wife and the schools and the peer group and the church to guide his junior high son. He said, I I have so little time to spend with with my son, I just don't want to be on his back. I don't want to be a Jesus freak, so I'll let other people do that. I'm going to just be his friend. But as we finished coffee, he also expressed concern about the problems with authority that his son is experiencing at school. And I just couldn't quite help him get the connection. My own dad worked 14 hours most days. I I really don't have too many memories of being able to have activities with him. And yet, you know, he masterfully accomplished his role of introducing me to Jesus through the model of his own faith. He told me stories. Our family didn't have a lot, but he always told me how God provided miraculously for us. And I always trusted him. And there was one point from, uh, and he always took me to church. That was just a priority. And he went himself. Consistently, every week, much to my chagrin at times. But he told me one thing that I'll never forget. He said, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. That stayed with me. I heard it, I guess, when I was five and I still say, that's something dad gave me. The Carnegie Council on the Family studying the crisis of the modern family concluded that parents can no longer be relied upon to teach their children the important things of life. Parents shuffle children around from authority to authority, from expert to expert, from counselor to counselor. And the summary of the report is that we have a profound fear and distrust of ourselves and our ability to raise children. That's a secular study telling us we're not able to raise our children. Now, think with me as a Christian a moment. Is it any surprise the forces of evil would lead us to abdicate our responsibility to train the next generation in the things of God I don't think so. So I wanna ask, what are your dreams for your children? Do you think your child, grandchild, or child over which you have influence would say, the most important thing mom and dad or friend wants me to be is a Christian? I think, I think many of them would say, the most important thing mom or dad wants from me is for me to excel in athletics or to be popular or to get my grades and go to the good school. Think about it. What would your ideal image be of a totally successful child? is becoming a committed Christian on your list. In 50 years, what will be more important? And have you told them what knowing Jesus means in your life? Now I want to take a moment to address those of us who don't have children on our own, of our own, or whose children might already be out of the nest. I believe every believer has a potential for a ministry to a child and I'm going to call it mentoring. Keep in mind, no parent can do it all for a child. If you asked my children, they would have so many people. Grandpa was one of them. Their church school teachers, they're friends. Many people influenced my children that were used of God to bring them to Christ. All of you have been influenced by many persons that God placed providentially in your life. I always get a kick out of Paul the Apostle. He called Timothy his son in the faith. Timothy was a Greek, Paul was a Jew. They weren't biologically related. But Timothy came under the mentoring of Paul, became a Christian, and Paul said, that's my son. And then we read about uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, Lois, even gave her name, a grandmother influencing Timothy. And then remember when Paul mentored Onesimus, a runaway slave who became his son spiritually. We can be parents in the sense of having a spiritual influence, being one of the things God uses to bring a child to Christ. An article in Sports Illustrated talked about the mentoring of Coach Joe Newton. Maybe you caught it. Uh, He was a high school track coach, is a high school track coach, and his coaching philosophy is to find some of the most unlikely athletes in the freshman class of the high school, bring them on his team and encourage them. And he tells one story. He said, I had a guy named Malinka who was terrible. He ran like a duck, ran the mile in 12 minutes. Every day he'd run by me in practice and I'd say, Malinka, you're looking great. Later that year, Mallonkin moved to Florida, and one year later, he wrote Coach Newton this letter. You know, I really miss you. I know I was a rotten runner, but I could hardly wait to get to practice every day to hear you yell about me looking great. Nobody does that for me down here. Coach Newton said he had no idea what impact a little affirmation had upon that boy who ran like a duck. I want to suggest Many boys and girls somewhere in our sphere of influence as a church, in your sphere of influence, need a mentor. They need somebody who will affirm them. Somebody who will just be their fan. Not pushing, not tugging, not tearing down because they get enough of that. Just somebody who will be there for them and lift them up. And that love can be an open door to them meeting the greatest affirmer of all, Jesus Christ. That makes us contagious. Now, before you go home, I want to give some practical suggestions of how we might stimulate our spiritual influence over a child. And I want to make it clear here, my goal is not to create guilt about the past. Nobody's been a a perfect parent or mentor, including this guy by far. We're thinking now only about the future. Although my wife and I have no special secrets or techniques as parents, certain habits in our home seem to have been used of God to pay dividends, so I want to suggest a few. Right on top would be honesty. We have been honest with our children. If we have a fight, we fight in front of them. There's a consistency between our public and private lives. One of the things that drives preacher's kids crazy is to have a father or a mother with a persona on Sunday and a totally different one during the week. My kids are sitting here. I hope they would agree with me. We're consistent. We're not perfect, but we're consistent. I don't think we would ever be referred to as hypocrites. They'd have other complaints. (laughs) Then, as I've mentioned, family worship. One of the great priorities was to pass on spiritual and moral values that we followed and knew to be true. And we pushed from the very beginning for our kids to take Jesus as the top priority, far more important than accelerated classes or school or what they would become. I'd do that again. Permanency. We taught them our family is bound together in a covenant of care for one another from birth to death. One of the number one fears of college freshmen at Stanford is the fear their parents will get a divorce now that they're away at college. Wise use of authority. We used our authority to train our children to exercise their own responsibility. We've had many people in our community who know us well felt we were a little too loose with our kids. My authority uh, 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 metaphor would be like a kite that we would let out and then pull in as needed based upon their maturity. But we had very few boundaries, very few restrictions. We wanted them to develop a responsible use of freedom And therefore, when they could grow up, they'd learn to live with authority and evaluate all human authority. And then telling them we love them. i probably list this as one of the most important. There's no greater gift you can give a child than to just tell them over and over again, I love you. It's not enough to feel love. I would particularly tell dads, it's not enough to feel love. I don't remember my dad ever telling me he loved me, or hugging me. I I wish we could change that, it just wasn't done in his generation. Boys and girls, children need to know we love them. I tell my adult children almost every day, and sometimes it embarrasses them, but I tell them anyway, I love you, I do. And I'll just never stop telling them that. And then we could add a PS to everything. I've prayed for my children every single day since they were born, many times a day. We need to pray for our kids. If none of those have hooked you, let me give an editorial reflection of what one mother would do if she had her child to raise again. I think there's real wisdom here. If I had my child to raise all over again, I'd build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd finger paint more and point the finger less. I would do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and I'd watch with my eyes. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites, and I'd stop playing serious, and I would seriously play. I would run through more fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging, and I'd do less tugging. I'd see the oak tree and the acorn far more often, and I would be firm less often and affirm much more. I'd model less about the love of power and more about the power of love. Remember, it's never too late to start having a spiritual influence on a child. And if you blew it with your children, it's never too late to look for another one because all of us are God's children. All of us can be part, for example, of helping this church's ministry to continue. I told you, a huge section of what we did is devoted to children. They can't, in turn, give us financial support. They can't really do anything mechanically for us, and yet I turn it around and they do everything because I think the next generation is what we're all about. I love it when they come into worship and offer what they alone can give to stimulate some of us who have grown so stale and so boring. We can make church attendance and family worship a priority. When you, you know the average attendance here is about half the time on a, of, a, of a good member, but almost anything else will interfere with church attendance. I wonder what that tells our kids about priorities. You don't pull them out of school, but we'll easily pull them out of church school if we have something else cooking. If we're grandparents, we can make the time, make the time to mentor our grandchildren, perhaps in ways we didn't or couldn't with our own children. We can give the spiritual training of our children as much priority as when we talk about and with them about their academic, athletic, and social development. Again, they read us like a book. And you can pray daily for your own children or for those children God has placed on your heart. I'm praying right now for a little guy that's in my life that I'm hoping his parents and then he will come to know Christ. So if God put a child on your heart this morning as we were doing this service, I suggest you start praying for that child right now and seek to connect with that child as God opens the door and God's Spirit will do the rest. I firmly believe with all my heart that if our worship this weekend makes the difference in the life of one child, it's been worth every anthem, every effort that we put into it because God loves children far more than we do. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, it felt good to be able to affirm something that's close to your heart. And I pray just as you love children, we might find as a result of worship today a new eyes to see, a new heart to reach out to those children for whom you died. Particularly if we're empty nesters or older people to get to the point where children are just sort of wild in our way. God, change that attitude. These children need us as your mentors. Make us that, I pray. Touch every parent here. And if there's one who's filled with guilt about the past, eliminate that and open our eyes to the future. Thank you that you're a God only concerned about tomorrow. And yesterdays are forgiven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.